Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn to the middle, and we'll be there in a minute. Just just try to try to turn right in the middle. And that should tell you about where we're at. So, uh, so I did just get back uh, from Texas. Uh, we made a a run down there after uh, I needed a, a little small vacation, but it was it was kind of a working vacation as well because uh, you're not going to hear me say a whole lot about it because it kind of embarrasses me. But uh, I. I turned in my manuscript on Tuesday because I'm actually a published author now through Dayspring Publishing, and it will be a 90-day devotional. And so I spit-polished that thing up while I was down there, and my brother let me... uh, my uh, stepdad wasn't doing well with his cancer, and so we went down and saw him, and he got to play fetch in the hospital with our Belgian Malinois. I've got pictures of that, which was really cool. And then we went to the lake, and... um, Listen, if y'all are on Facebook, you've been seeing all these Texans complaining about the heat. They ain't joking. <laughs> it's, it's freaking hot, man. Like The coolest it was at the lake was 108. And I've got a picture at 1030 at night that it was 102 at 1030 at night. So like Jason's lake house is really, really nice. It's not fancy, but it's a nice house. And he's got two indoor, you know, air conditioners, you know, regular indoor, not, not swamp coolers, not little window units. And the coolest, those two could get that three bedroom house was 77 degrees in the middle of the day. I mean, it was hot, but luckily Jason's got this big gargantuan boat dock and it has like a jet ski dock that will go down in the, in the water. And so we put it about that far into the water and we just Relaxed all day long, right in that little square, and uh, Bane really loved play and catch, and we'd throw a ball out there, and he'd swim out there and get it, and then uh, it was really a special time because it was me and my dad and my stepmom and all of my brothers, all of my sisters. So it was really a special weekend with all of them because I've got three nephews, and uh, how old's McCray? He's, what, four or five, something like that? And then Stetson's like two, and then I've got a newborn that's like three months old, nephew. And I don't get to spend a lot of time with them, so spending time with my nephews was really special. And while we were playing, you know, uh, Cammy got Bane to swim out there, and McCray would jump in, and Bane would come by McCray, and McCray would grab a hold of Bane's life jacket, and Bane would pull him in. So he was playing fetch with a four-year-old, and it was really cool. But at one point, my name got brought up from last year because somebody told McCray, McCray, you know what Uncle Kevin did last year? And he said, what? He said, he did a backflip off of the very top. And he's like, oh, my Kevins. Because that's what he thinks it is, is oh, my Kevins. And so every time he says it, he likes to call me and say, I said, oh, my Kevins today. So he's like, Oh my Kevin's he said uncle Kevin. Can you do that again? (laughs) I cannot tell you the trauma that I went through 
doing that because last year I mouthed off that I could probably do it and then I had to do it because I said I'd do it. And now my four-year-old nephew wants me to do it and I just got through therapy. So I got, I told him, I said, yeah, I'll do it. And so I got up there, you know, and I got right up to the edge and I'm pretty sure the water was from the lake that was running down my legs. I'm pretty sure. Not, not entirely positive, but you know, when, when, when your name comes up, you got to do it, right? So I, so I did it and, and, and McCray just thought that I was the coolest dude in the entire world. And I was, you know, there's, there's no doubt about that. So, uh, anyway, but you know what? There, there's somebody else's name that got brought up, not at the lake, but somebody's get, name got brought up in heaven. And it's really, really one of the greatest action sequence openers in the entire Old Testament. And who we're talking about is a man named Job. And where we're going to start is found in Job chapter 1, verse 8, because Job's name came up in heaven. And in the preceding verses, God asked the devil, he said, where have you been? And he said, I've been roaming the earth, going to and from here and there. And God says, have you, in verse 8, he says, uh, then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Man, how would you like your name to come up like that? Like God is bragging to the accuser to the one that, that led a third of the heavenly host into rebellion. God is bragging on Job, and you probably know the story, is that uh, the devil said, well, Job is only faithful because you've put a hedge of protection around him, and you've blessed him more than any other man on earth. If you were to take that protection away from him and take all those blessings away from him, he would curse you. And God said, try him. You can't touch him, but let's see what happens. And so what happens is actually really, really horrible. His whole family dies, except for his wife, I think. She probably could have been in an accident. It wouldn't have, you know, she, was, she wasn't the nicest wife in the world. And, and uh, you know, he loses all of his, friendly, his, his family and, and his workers, his donkeys, his camels. I mean, this guy's lost everything, sons and daughters and blah, blah, blah. And then he has three friends that just kind of give him the what for. They keep saying, all of this is happening because you did something wrong. And Job just keeps saying, I didn't do nothing wrong. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever been through some trials and tribulations or maybe a season of hard times and like you didn't do anything wrong? Well, you know what? Maybe your name came up in heaven. Maybe your name came up because you have been doing good. Maybe your name came up because you are standing out with the way that you interact. It's your faith is growing and growing and growing. And listen, man, when you stand up for God, you stand out and you make yourself an easy target. 
Well, what appears to be an easy target, right? One of my favorite deals, I fell in love with the Marvel Universe with all the, the Marvel movies because I think it was in the very first one, one of them bad guys, Loki, I think it was, has everybody kneel. And he's like, kneel to your God. And one old man stands up and he goes, I ain't kneeling to a guy like you. And he goes, there is none like me. He said, there's always some like you, right? And I just thought that's how we as Christians should be. When everybody else is kneeling down to this world and its ways of doing things, we need people that are strong enough to stand up and stand out. But when you do that, (laughs) watch out because your name might come up in heaven. You've heard the famous line, but did you know it was a Bible verse? And it's found in Job 121, and basically it's Job says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But here's the best part. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That was Job. That was Job. And I hope one day that that's me, right? Because we got home at 12.30 a.m. on Thursday morning, Wednesday night, however you want to look at it, right? And so all day Thursday, we got ready for for these guys to, to get there and make sure that we had everything straightened out and the best laid plans usually go to crap anyway, and that's what that's what happened. But still, we tried to be ready for when they got there. And so Friday morning, uh, Friday morning I got up, and the first thing I had to do was bury a dog that got run over. Yeah, it it don't get harder than that. It doesn't get harder than that. So we had to bury a dog that got ran over, and. Uh, <laughs> it really, there was some snot slinging. And so uh, I love that little dog. And then I found out that some equipment was going to be late. I mean, we were going to get it, but it was going to be late. And it, it just seemed like everything started going wrong. The equipment was going to be late. And then there was a problem with the, with the meal on, on, at Friday. And that's just, it's just stuff that happens. And then I got a call as I was burying the dog that, that my stepdad died. And it wasn't unexpected, but it was a little bit of a surprise because they were telling us to call hospice in and he died before they could even get hospice in, which was a blessing. It was a blessing. So it's not like it was, you know, out of the blue, a shock. I mean, we knew it was coming, but I really thought it was going to be, you know, a couple of weeks or something like that. And so uh, if it could go wrong on Friday... If you could have, if you could just sit down and write and say, let's see, how could we write down and, and, uh, and build the most stressful day in the world? Let's have 12 men coming from somewhere that you've never even heard of to stay at your place, to build a chapel, and let's just throw all of these problems in there and let's see how Kevin handles it. Well, my name came up in heaven, I think. Would I handle one of the worst days, like literally I can remember? How did I hand, how can I handle the worst days I can remember as well as Job did? Well, I know, I knew it was going to be rough, 
But that entire day, I thought about three things. And I'm going to tell you all what those are. The first thing is I knew that if I was going to make it through that day, and I wasn't worried about the next day or the next day or the next day. You know, let's one day at a time, one day at a time, sweet Jesus, right? So I was just worried about that day. Well, one of the things that kept going over and over and over and over in my mind, and I know it was from the Holy Spirit, is Kevin, in the worst of times, you must be above reproach. You must be above reproach. In other words, you need to be blameless. Now, that does not mean that you need to be perfect. That is not what being above reproach means, okay? But being above reproach does a couple of things. The first thing it does is it keeps me, it kept me from blaming other people for the bad day that I had, but not just that, because it's so easy when things are going wrong to blame other people for, for stuff that happens or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, being above reproach means that you're not going to blame people for anything that's happening, but it also means that you're not going to sit there and blame yourself because, you know, a lot of times, especially in the manner of, I mean, Two deaths within an hour of each other. You know, I mean, each one of those things is, is tough individually, and then you get them both within that time frame. You know, it's easy to start, well, if I would have done this, if I would have just done that, if I would have done this. You know, blaming yourself is just as bad as blaming others. To be above reproach means to be without taking or receiving blame that is unjust. That's what part of being above reproach means, okay? Listen, not all hard times are because something is going wrong. Everything that happened on Friday is just life. And life is really, really, really hard sometimes. Really hard. But we have somebody in heaven that says, Have you considered my servant Kevin? Have you considered my servant, Willie? Have you considered my servant, Caleb or Mitch or Coy or Roger? Have you considered my servant? We are given the strength, even in the worst of times, because Jesus said, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And I promise, I probably put up a good front, but I felt like the weakest human that ever lived on Friday. Being above reproach means that it keeps you from blaming yourself or others for unjust things that don't need to be there. And being above reproach also means that you don't say anything that you're going to regret, right? No regretful responses. See, being above reproach, you can think of it as the godly filter between the thoughts that are going through your nugget and the words that come out of your mouth. Being above reproach means being able to look at a difficult situation and say, I don't regret anything I said. Now, you can say bad things and not regret it and be remorseless, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having integrity, giving yourself away when you think that everything has been taken away from you. That's what being above reproach means. No regretful responses. And being above reproach, man, that is intentional integrity. It's not accidental integrity. Well, you didn't even know it, but you did a really good job. 
No, this is like, it is a second by second. I'm not going to freak out. <laughs> I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to bawl my eyes out. I'm not going to go hide. I'm going to stay right here and I'm going to power through this day at my weakest because Jesus said that he is strongest when I am weakest. Being above reproach means intentional integrity. It's not perfection, it's innocence. And, and what I mean by innocence, not necessarily naive, but it's being innocent, okay? It's not about being perfect, it's about being innocent in a court of law, basically. It's, it's a, it's a, it can be used as a legal term. Being above reproach in your marriage, because I was still married on Friday, right? Being above reproach in your marriage means that you take care of your wife even when you're hurting. It means be the husband of one wife. It's intentional integrity. It's doing the right thing because you know it's the right thing and that's what you want to do. You have to be above reproach in all things, not just with yourself, with your spouse. Being above reproach in your thought life with the way you're thinking means that you are, the Bible calls it sober-minded, sober-minded. Being in control of your thoughts, not letting them run away into bad places. And you know your, nuggin, your nugget can get you in a really bad place if you let it. Being above reproach in your actions means that you are self-controlled at all times. Self-controlled at all times. No point in that does it mean that any of that is easy. Okay, as a matter of fact, all of that is hardest when, you, when your name has been called in heaven and you're going through a trial and tribulation that you have nothing to do with. You're innocent. You're just affected by it personally, right? So how do you get through one of those bad days? How do you get through it when your name, when God says, have you considered... My faithful cowboy, fill in the blank with your name. Well, you got to be above reproach on those days. And it's not just that day, it's days afterwards too. Got to be above reproach. And the second thing that kept running my, through my mind that day is I'm going to dial my reactions down to zero. I'm going to dial my reactions down to zero. I didn't get overly excited about anything, but I didn't go to a bad place either. Because here's the thing, staying in control is better than any other response. Staying in control is better than saying something that you'll regret, right? Staying in control during one of the hardest days of your life is the key to making it through it, right? Well, how do we do that? How do we stay in control? Well, I think one way is not to forget the little things, right? Not to forget the little things. And what I mean by little things is when you're going through one of those days, don't complain about it that day. I mean, I, di I didn't say anything to, to the guys, you know, after it happened, but I was doing some other stuff and I ended up walking back there and Cammie had gone back there and I guess she had told these guys and about half of them came up to me and gave me a hug and said they were real sorry. And that meant the world to me, guys. Uh, thank y'all so much for that. Y'all don't really know me, but you offered comfort in a, in a time. But I, I didn't do any complaining about my day whenever I was going through it. You know, because it's easy. Well, my dog died and 
my dad died or my stepdad died. My mom, you know, my heart goes out to my mom. I wasn't upset really about Jerry dying. He's with Jesus, right? It's a bad day for us, but it's the best day for him. He didn't have cancer no more, right? But it's still sad for us. But see, we have to look at the little things. Quit complaining because nothing opens the door to evil like a bitter or complaining spirit. I mean, you're just throwing the door away. It's like, you know, in a, in a thunderstorm, you're throwing the door wide open. You know, just, hey, you let all that stuff come on in here. That's what complaining in a bitter spirit does. Because the only thing that, it, that complaining attracts is complaining. It's, a, it's an epidemic. You know, you just, nah, 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 and it's so easy. And that's a slippery soap because once you start sliding down it, boy, you can go to grabbing for handholds, but man, they're few and far between. Remember the little things. If your name is called up in heaven, be above reproach. You may have to dial the reactions down to zero and don't complain. Pray. Don't complain. Pray. What are some other little things that I think we let get away from us sometimes? How about this one? One of the reasons I believe I was able to handle that so well is because I was rested up when it happened. And a lot of y'all don't know what that R word means. That four-letter bad word, R, rest. See, God commanded us to rest on the seventh day. Now, you know, Jesus came back and said, you know, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for the man. It, God says, I rested on the seventh day. I want you to do it too. And it's, it just behooves me that, and especially in this American culture, which has so many great things, but don't, don't, it's got a negative side to it too. Because we work 40 hours a week and then we go home and we got stuff to do, right? So we just pile as much into the 48 hours as we did the five days. And then we're tired. And then we're tired. It is amazing what will happen in your life if you will learn to take one day and rest. And what do I mean by rest? I mean, feel freedom of worrying about something. Yeah, it doesn't mean that you have to lay in bed or anything like that. It just, God says, today you let me handle these things. I'll keep them. I'll have them. For you. It's a day to be free from worry. It's a day to be free from work. I mean, we do, man. We just work ourselves to the bone. And I, I don't know if it was Mitch or Tyler or somebody asked an old cowboy one time. He said, how did you live to be like 98 and still riding? He said, I sat down every chance I got. <laughs> I heard a Japanese doctor say one time, you want to live longer? Rest more. He said, you drive a car 500,000 miles, it's not going to last as long as the one that only drove 100,000 miles. Down a little bit, right? Slow down a little bit. Take your day of rest and a day, if at all possible, free from stress. Free from stress. The other little thing that goes with no complaining and rest like God told you to is don't let things build up. And what do I mean by that? I mean, how about this? Laziness, apathy. 
See, let me give you a little bit of a, uh, let me challenge you with my background music. <laughs> I'm joking. This is special. Dang it. I missed it. Call him back. Uh, Hey, I got a serious question, though. Are you reading your Bible like you once did? Are you? See, we used to read that thing a lot, didn't we? But then we started going on, and some other things happened, and, and, and we still pick it up every now and then. But, but remember, Jesus in Revelation says, this one thing I have against you, you don't love me like you did at first. If you want to make it through those hard days, if you want your name to be called... In heaven, man, we, we can't give in to that apathy, that laziness of just thinking, well, I'll just go with the Christian flow. I believe I don't have to really read. I don't have to do this. Man, that will come back to bite you, okay? That will come back to bite you. Um, the other thing that you don't need to let build up is, is selfishness. Because listen, <laughs> this is crazy. We spend an incredible amount of time, energy, and money. When I say we, I'm just talking about the world, right? This world spends an insane amount of time, energy, and money trying to be happy when the trick is to make somebody else happy. That's it. That's the hack. Do something for, if you want to feel better, do something for somebody else, right? It's not... It's not rocket math. It's not timber frame math. And they use timber frame math. He was running out numbers I'd never even heard of. I thought I knew them all. That is advanced tape measuring. Okay, that is advanced tape measuring. I can't put two boards together and they put up a 300-year-old Lincoln log set perfectly. Don't let things build up like laziness or selfishness. Only thinking about yourself all the time. Only thinking about yourself all the time is the quickest way to depression that I know of. Okay? You really want to grow? You really want to go out there and make something out of your life? Go do something for somebody else. And finally, pride. Don't let that pride build up because you know what, man? I know I still got a long way to go. And I said something the other day on social media that could have been taken the wrong way, and I hope it didn't. But I said, I try to remember when I'm preaching that the people I'm talking to don't know as much as they think they do. And neither do I. Right? Can't let pride seep in there because we've got a long way to go. We're not done growing yet. Right? Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Don't let these things fall behind. So, if your name is called in heaven... Be above reproach. Dial the reactions back to zero if you have to. It's probably a good idea. At least until you you know you got that self-control. Then you can kind of turn them up a little bit. But as long as you're in self-control. And finally, the third thing that just kept going through my mind all day long, and it hasn't stopped yet. I just kept hearing the words, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. And this is what I know about that. God never wastes pain. God will never waste an ounce of righteous pain that you go through when you suffer. He turns hurts into strengths. He turns pain 
into purpose. And what do I mean by that? I had somebody ask me one time, they said, I don't know what I would, you know, I don't know what God wants me to do. And I gave them my standard answer. You know, we could just not be afraid and that would make a huge difference. But I asked somebody, you want to find your ministry? How about this? What breaks your heart? What really breaks your heart? And go do something about that, right? What breaks your heart? Because see, God never wastes pain. He turns hurts into strengths. He turns pain into purpose. He turns struggles into victories, right? And he is good even when we don't understand it good, right? Just because you don't understand it, don't make God bad. And listen, I don't really understand how God could let all of that stuff happen to Job. But I do know that God is still good. I do know that God is still good. And you know what? Maybe the reason he went through that is so that you could hear this message today. Because God didn't even waste Job's pain. He wrote it down in his good book for all of us for 3,000 years to learn from this. God is good even when we don't understand. Of all the things God asked to do, understanding was not really one of them, right? I mean, in the Bible, God says, lean not on your own understanding, right? Don't worry about understanding it, right? Faith is trusting God without understanding Him, right? We would all experience a growth spurt because... Just, I, this is what I say sometimes when people come out and they say, well, I just don't know why God wants me to do it that way. I look at him and I say, because he said so. That's why. I mean, think about it. How many times, parents, have you told your kids, it's because I said so. And most of the time, when we say that, it's because they're, they're not capable of understanding why you are asking them to do this. So you tell them, because I said so. So the next time you find yourself struggling, you go look in the mirror and you say, because he said so. That's why. Right? You don't have to understand it to follow him. You just got to do it. Listen, God never wastes pain. He's good even if we don't understand. And listen, it'll be worth it, guys. Listen, your life is worth it. Okay, this will all be worth it one day because every inconvenience will be more than worth it when your name is brought up in heaven. Every struggle will be more than worth it when our name is brought up in heaven. Your life means something because one day your name will come up because of your faith and be ready when it's called. And you know how I know your name is going to be called? Because if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your name is written in the book of life. And one day, your name will be called by God to stand up and receive your reward for all of these hard days that all of us have been through. When we had to dial our reactions down to zero, when it seemed like the whole world was caving in in front of you, one day... Jesus is going to call your name and you are going to stand up. And I pray it's on this earth as well. But I do know that even if it doesn't happen on this earth, one day your name 
will be called. And you know what? One last thing. The last time I had to bury a dog that got ran over, it was the day before I moved to a place called Kiowa, Colorado to start a ministry called Save the Cowboy. You'd think the devil had learned not to mess with my dogs. <laughs> right? Because this time, guys, I ain't coming alone. I got y'all with me. And you know what? We're going to make a difference. We're going to make a difference. And we're going to listen for our name to be called. Let's go to God in prayer. God, I love you so much. And I thank you. I praise you. I worship you. And I honor you today with my life. And I pray that everybody else does the same thing. That all of this points directly at God. And especially Jesus Christ who died on the cross to forgive us of our sins. To throw that gate that leads to God wide open and let us go boldly through it. Even when we have tough times. God, I pray for my family as, as we deal with the death of a loved one. And I pray for all the other families that are going through similar things. And maybe even harder things. But God, you are good even in the bad times. And God... On behalf of everybody else, I'd just like to say, we love you too. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.